Hello, Albuquerque. It's, it's Matthew Van Wettering. And James Katie. And we are here with another episode of ABQ Stages. Today, we have got a, a great guest. We have Rhonda Lewis, who is going to be performing a one-person show at Albuquerque Little Theater entitled The Bell of Amherst, which is a bio story about, about Emily Dickinson. And everybody's heard Emily Dickinson. I cannot wait to see Rhonda bring her to life. Right. So uh, I, I think she's here now. Rhonda Lewis, <laughs> welcome to ABQ Stages. Thank you. So what is going on? I am heavy in rehearsals for The Bell of Amherst, um, which is the story of Emily Dickinson um, told in her own words, which I absolutely love. So that is what is going on. We're getting ready to open two weeks from tomorrow. Okay, so you've been in rehearsal for how long? Um, so interestingly, uh, this time I've been in rehearsal for four days. Huh. <laughs> I, I, I've, I've been working independently for quite some time. I did the show last July, so um, it was mostly still there, but I have had to do, you know, of course, some brush up and, and kind of renew everything. Um, but I've been here working in the theater with... Um, with my stage manager and, and director for about four rehearsals now. <laughs> and who's directing? Well, state, so we are basically going with what we did last summer, which is um, Stacey Robbins uh, direction. Okay. Um, she did such a beautiful job directing it last summer. Um, Henry Avery is available and kind of, you know, helping refine a couple of little things and make a few little tweaks here and there. Um, but it is, the, it is the um, direction from Stacey last summer. So tell us, um, I'm not sure. I mean, the whole world knows about Emily Dickinson. Uh, at least they know the name and they know that she was a poet, right? Right. Um, how many poems did she write? Almost 2,000. Um, they were not discovered until after her death. Um, she actually had left very explicit instructions that all of her letters and correspondence be burned when she died. Um, but oh. her... Made they had a housemaid Maggie who um, had kind of been holding on to the poems for Emily throughout you know the last years of her life. She had them in a little trunk, and then on Emily's death, um, her her sister and Maggie, the maid, um, did not feel right about burning these. I mean, it was such an extensive collection, like I said, almost two thousand poems um, that they decided to that. The, they needed to be read. Um, so they kind of started looking into ways to get her poetry out there. Her sister-in-law, um, Sue Gilbert Dickinson, um, who was married to her brother. And interestingly, um, his mistress, <laughs> Mabel Todd Loomis, uh, Mabel Loomis Todd, um, were very key in getting the works published initially. They worked very hard um, unfortunately made some edits, which have been corrected over time to get back to her original version of the poems. Yeah, right. uh, apparently her, her original writings were a little, uh, I don't want to say unorthodox, but not like their, their grammar and punctuation was, was her own unique style, right? Yes, that's right. Um, it was her, her writing was very unconventional. Um, she would use dashes liberally and no one really knows what her method was on using those because 
if you look at the way her poems are written, she would capitalize in the middle of a sentence and, you know, have a dash. Um, her rhyme, her meter was very unconventional. Um, it was, it was just not, it, it wasn't typical of the, um, the time period that she was writing in. Um, and that's why, you know, even when they started writing the poems or, or when they started editing and, and publishing after her death, they tried to make it more conventional by, you know, changing some wording here and there, removing some dashes, changing, you know, some of the things, but um, that has all since been uh, back to her, back to her original intent, which is, I think, perfect. That, that's, and yeah, I mean, she really had no say so in the matter by that point, you know, unfortunately, um, one of those, one of those artists just unappreciated in her time until, until after, you know, you said, um, that it th this plays in her own words. So is it a collection of her work? Is that what it is? It's it's such a brilliantly written script. Um, William Luce is the playwright, and he has taken um, he did extensive research on Emily and and her life. Um, much actually, a huge percentage of the script is taken from her letters, um, surviving letters, and and correspondence. The poetry is woven throughout. There's something like, I think there's about 50 poems throughout the play um, that is just woven in uh, to tell the story. So she will seamlessly kind of go from um, the exposition, you know, telling a story, a memory, whatever it may be, right into a poem, or the poem will then spark a memory, you know, where she'll talk about something else. So what I love is, you know, going through and, and, really learning this script um, has given me just so much insight into Emily um, because it is largely in her own words. And he intentionally did that. And like I said, I think it's just, it's brilliantly written the way that he was able to keep so much of it in her words. I am absolutely mystified as to, to why she would write up to 2000 poems and stick them in a trunk. Stick them in a trunk, and not yeah. have any desire for the world to see them. Yeah, at one point she actually did uh, very much wish to be published. Um, there were a lot of kind of conventions of the time. Um, her family, her father, didn't approve of that. You know, of of women uh, seeking uh, notoriety in that manner, and so she submitted a few poems. I think she had seven total published in her lifetime. Um, I've heard it, it was as much as 10, but I've only ever seen evidence of seven poems, all anonymously. Huh. Um, so she never even, you know, the, the poems that were published when she was alive, she never received, you know, the, the acknowledgement for. Um, she eventually kind of came to the conclusion that publication wasn't for her. So she just you know, kept all of these poems, stopped them away. That that was her expression. I mean, that is that is how she spoke. That is how she got her thoughts out. And um, there's lots of different theories on why, but she she chose to keep them all to herself. Why well, she well, was very reclusive, right? Yes. I mean, she she didn't go out very much. That's true. But in her later years, um, she she did go to school. Um, she actually went. She she ended up leaving school after about a year um, because of her health. Um, she, but she did go to school and she she did travel somewhat, not far. Um, she went to 
uh, Washington. Her father was a congressman, so she went to Washington to see to visit her father at one point. Um, she had some uh, eye problems. She had some some pretty serious eyesight problems, and she was in uh, Boston for a considerable amount of time in her twenties to try to have that corrected. Um, so she wasn't always at home. There's something, and scholars really differ on what it was, but there was something in her life in approximately her early to mid thirties that caused her to stop going out into the world and, and to basically, you know, just remain in her home, which she did for the last, you know, 20 plus years of her life. Um, she, she really never left the house. How old was she when she died? She was 56 when 56, she died. Okay. Mm -hmm. yeah. 56 and died in 1886. Her yes. first book of poems, largely uh, edited by, as you mentioned, her, her brother-in-law and her sister-in-law. Okay. And oh, her brother's mistress. Sorry. <laughs> yeah. There you go. There you go. <laughs> and um, was not published until four years after her death. That's right. Yeah, yes. That's incredible. Yeah. Incredible. It really is amazing, especially when you consider the volume of work you know, that that no one in her family, her sister, uh, Lavinia, didn't know that she had 2000 poems sitting, you know, upstairs in a in a trunk. Um, it, it's pretty incredible that that just went unnoticed. They all knew uh, her family knew that she wrote because she wrote constantly. She much of her work um, exists on little scraps of paper. So the back of an envelope, um, she would just, she would tear an envelope off and, and write on the back of an envelope or the inside of an envelope. Um, there's, there are some existing poems that are written on uh, chocolate wrappers. So she would actually just whatever she could get her hands on. She had a little pocket in her dress. She carried paper with her or, you know, a pencil all the time. And if she found a piece of paper and, you know, was inspired, she would write. And clearly with 2000 poems, she was very frequently inspired to write. Let me ask you an acting question. I mean, you're a, a lively uh, personality, uh, outgoing woman playing a recluse. Yeah. How do you approach that role? Um, so it's very interesting the way, like I said, the way that the story is written, um, it's a very nebulous concept. Um, so the story, Emily travel, I'm, I'm the only one on stage. Um, it, it is, it is truly a, a one person show. Um, Emily travels throughout the telling of this story. She travels through time all the way back to when she was 15, uh, and then different points in her life. So she's telling so many memories of her life and, 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 um, you know, stories that happened throughout her lifetime. Um, the way to approach that for me, I, I largely, um, I really kind of try to channel Emily and I know that maybe sounds a little bit vague, but I really, before I come on stage, before I get into character, I kind of try to, I, I keep to myself um, largely. I, I, you're not going to find me running out, you know, in the house or, or, you know, talking to people before the show. Um, I do kind of try to just um, be introspective um, be within myself and and try to kind of channel Emily that way. I've woven lots of little personal touches um, that no one else will even be aware of, but 
but me, um, but they're things that help me to stay right. yeah. in Emily's head and, and, uh, and bring her to life. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. I, I, all actors do it, uh, whether they know they're doing it or not. You know? Right. <laughs> <laughs> so, so uh, this is a personal question. We ask all our guests this, how, how did you get involved in the theater? What brought you to the theater and what, what started your love for it? How'd um, you get involved? <laughs> so this actually goes all the way back to when I was a, a little girl, um, very young. My cousins and I would write and act um, and and perform little skits for the family when we had family gatherings. Um, I was the bossy one. So <laughs> I was always the one that um, usually wrote it, always directed it, and typically would star in it. So um, <laughs> all the way back to, you know, the little, the little date. Um, they were terrible. They were terrible stories. I'll tell you right now. Um, it's a, it's a kind of a wonder the adults put up with us, but they did. Um, we, from there, I went on to performing in uh, elementary school. You know, anytime there was a play or if we had some sort of performance, I wanted to be, I wanted to be in it. Um, really, really started to develop the love for theater in earnest when I got into uh, middle school and um, had a terrific drama teacher and just really became passionate about performing and, and kind of refining the art um, all through high school, um, you know, and college. And then I took a very long break. Um, I was off for 25 years. I didn't do anything. Uh, I was stay-at-home mom to four kids. And um, yeah, once they all started leaving the house and kind of growing into their own and, and becoming adults, then I started to get back into theater because it was something for me, um, something that I've always enjoyed, enjoyed and loved. One of your first loves, right? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, Going it is. Back to it. Where, where did you grow up? In Texas. Okay. Yeah, uh, kind of moved around the state of Texas, but um, Texas is born and bred. Yeah. Whereabouts? Uh, well, <laughs> like I said, all over. Um, I was born in the Panhandle, um, lived in Austin, uh, Southern Texas. I lived in Del Rio, Galveston, um, kind of moved around quite a bit. Yeah, went yeah, to well, in the Panhandle at Texas Tech. So, One of the things, I mean, so much respect for an actor that takes on a one-person play. Uh, with no one to turn to but you and and Emily, you know, and I think that it takes so much, so much focus, so much discipline to take on that. What inspired you to take on this one person play? And on top of that, what inspired you to do it a second time? <laughs> <laughs> Besides insanity. Um, right. <laughs> Well, that it, goes for all of us. That, that's, yeah, I mean, that's about saying. I, so when last year, the, so Albuquerque Little Theater was closed as, you know, everyone was for about a year and a half, uh, you know, through the course of the early stages of the pandemic. When we got ready to get back to live theater, um, the idea came up that we should look at some very small cast or one person shows um, in order to kind of gently transition back to the idea of live theater and to to transition the audience back into being comfortable, being here, being in the seats, uh, you know, with live performers on stage. Um, this was one of the pieces that was tossed out there, Bell of Amherst. And I 
I knew of Emily Dickinson, of course. I, you know, I, I did study her as we all did at some point in American Lit, in college, you know, English Lit, when you go through that American poetry chapter, naturally you learn a little bit about her, um, but I had never really delved into her. Um, right before the pandemic, I had actually been to Amherst and uh, been, you know, walked, walked her steps and, you know, been to her house. So when I saw the, the, that this was one of the ideas that came forward, I, I really, I asked, uh, you know, can I, can I tackle this one? And um, they very graciously agreed to, okay, let me tackle it. <laughs> um, so I, I delved into, at that point, um, extensive research over a period of about three, about three months, a little, little more, um, to prepare for the, that four-day run. That's all I had last summer was four days. Um, I was there. I saw that. That's, yes, you were. Um, yes. It was, uh, it was a exceptionally hard to walk away from. Um, a role like this is, as an actor, is, is a once-in-a-lifetime experience, in my opinion. Um, Emily kind of took hold of me in a lot of ways. Um, she's very much a part of me now, and, and I think always will be. Um, we started looking at, you know, at the season and adding, again, adding some kind of small cast or, or one-person shows in between. Um, there were two shows, uh, Barrymore, coincidentally by the same playwright, William Luce. Um, Mario Cabrera performed Barrymore last summer, and then I performed Belle of Amherst. Um, we both won the Vivian Award um, for best performance in a drama or comedy. And so they asked us, if we would revise uh, the roles if we would, you know, uh, redo the roles. And um, here I am. <laughs> yeah. Here I am. So, yeah. So I'm, by special request, you're doing it. And initially it was to fill a need. I mean, you know, yeah. the, the pandemic put us all through a loop and there was somebody put that out there and you jumped on it. Yeah, that's great. And uh, and jumped well, too. I, 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 as I just said, I, I did see you uh, in that initial performance and uh, you're fabulous. Yeah. So the audience coming to see Bella Bamhurst in two weeks. How long are you running for? I have two weekends this time, seven performances. Okay, good. The, yeah, they're really going to get a treat when they when okay. they watch you on stage. You, 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 you're mesmerizing. Oh, thank you, Jim. That means a lot to me. I appreciate that. So when do you open? What date? September 30. September 30. Which is uh, two weeks from tomorrow night. Yep. Uh, and then we run through October ninth um there is a thursday performance that second weekend so um yeah so seven performances all together okay and um how do we get tickets you can call the box office or you can go to the website which is abq little theater i'm sorry that's the email address um, albuquerque little theater and that's theater with an re.org. Um, the tickets are $15. Um, it is reserved seating, but they are $15 because this is, this is considered a bonus show. It's not part of the regular season. Um, we're doing these kind of bonus shows this year in between. So um, yeah, on the website or through the box office by calling, or you okay. can walk up in person if you want. <laughs> oh, wait, one more thing. Uh, I found a, a quote from Emily Dickinson. Oh, there okay. you go. And then we'll end it here. She said, if I can stop one heart from breaking, I will not have lived in vain.
Yes. There's so, the whole poem with that, which is one of my favorites. <laughs> yeah. Thanks, Rhonda. Thank, Thank you, you Jim. so much. Thank Break you. a leg. Thank you. And now it's time for coming attractions. Coming attractions? That's what I said, Jimmy. There must be a lot of them. Today. Oh, we've got a ton on the list here. All right, go. Take it, Matthew. Well, if anyone wants to announce or promote anything, please email us at abqstagespodcast at gmail.com. And now we try to keep everything in chronological order so you can see them all in order and don't miss anything. So make sure you don't skip to the end. Okay, start at the top. First off, which will be our interview for this episode, The Bell of Amherst by William Luce, directed by Stacy Robbins, starring Rhonda Lewis. Yeah, you don't want to miss that. One person That's show on beautiful. Emily Dickinson. Yeah. yeah. Uh, September 30th through October 9th at the Albuquerque Little Theater. And you can find out all the information at albuquerquelittletheater.org. Be sure and check out Albuquerque Funny Fiesta. They're coming into their second week on stages across Albuquerque. For more information, check out abqfunnyfiesta.com. And MTS is putting up on Carrie the Musical. Music by Michael Gore, lyrics by Dean Pitchford, book by Lawrence D. Cohen, based on the novel by Stephen King. Oh, that yeah. should be terrific. Makes the hair stand up just yeah, saying that already, name. Yeah. Opens October 7th and runs through October 23rd. See the website for details at mtsabq.org. If I'm not mistaken, Carrie was his first breakthrough novel. Was it really? Yes. I mean, I, I remember seeing that as a kid, and oh my gosh, it just, I, uh, I don't know, it was it, it was such a such a spooky thriller, yeah, you know? Uh, yeah. And to see it in in live on stage, it's got to be I, that I much better. I can't imagine what, it's You're, a musical now, so I can't imagine. They dropped that blood, I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> uh, is that a spoiler, or did I do it? Yeah, I, no, no, go see it, go see it. <laughs> okay, that one's directed by Lando Ruiz, musical direction by Colin Burge, and stage manager, Kalia Baca. The Box is always on with their improv show called The Show, Fridays and Saturdays at 9. You can uh, sometimes get tickets at the door, but it's probably better to go to theboxabq.org. Duke City Rep is getting ready to put on their production of their original play, Opinionated which is a one-person show, but will in fact be uh, performed by four different actors. One actor per night, per week. And they're running for three weeks at the Box Annex Base, La Sala, as well as they are doing their show virtually so that everyone has access to this. Uh, make sure you check out our interview with them before you, you go see the show and, and get a little insight beforehand. Uh, they are running Thursday, October 13th, through Sunday, October 30th. And tickets are $15. And go to dukecityrep.com for more information on that one. Thank you, Rhonda Lewis. Oh, um, yes, thank you, Rhonda. It's also, oh, you know, Rhonda was in a play I did uh, after the fall, and she's just a remarkable actress. And so I hope versatile. that uh, you can all get out there and see this show. She's terrific. I, I think it was a great point you made about how, you know, she's, she's super bubbly. 
like yeah. so much energy, always a smile, and、um, this character. You you can see how versatile an actor she is. You know? And the amount of research she did、uh, on Emily Dickinson is just amazing.、Um, check that one out at ALT, and、um, and that's it for this episode. So, Matthew, where where am I going to see you, Jimmy? <laughs> In the theater. Yes, sir. <laughs> okay. See you all. Break a leg. <laughs> <laughs>